0: Right now, I want to talk about, uh, you know, the, the question of economics as we talk about the relationship between Indigenous, non-Indigenous Canadians and creating economic opportunities. Where does that conversation need to go? Uh, and that's where our next guest comes in. And we'll focus on this side of the conversation. Uh, the Indigenomics Institute and the idea of taking a seat at the economic table. Uh, Caroline Hilton. Is the founder of the Indigenomics Institute joins us on the line here this morning to talk a bit more about where this conversation needs to go, Caroline. So great to have you with us here this morning. Welcome to the program. Thank you. We appreciate you joining us here. So uh, talk a bit about where the you know the idea, the concept of Indigenomics and founding this institute first came from.
1: Yeah, for sure. So the concept emerged, um, I created a hashtag on social media, uh, Indigenomics, and it was a way to begin to demonstrate this growing force of stories of Indigenous business strength and mm-hmm. essentially to identify the challenges that come with that in the stories, the perceptions that Canadians look at Indigenous populations, and to be able to look at the shift towards seeing Indigenous peoples as a cost on the financial system to seeing Indigenous peoples as having generative economies.
0: And it's something you wrote a book about as well, Indigenomics, taking a seat at the economic table. So this concept of, of Indigenomics, I mean, where, where did that word come from, first of all?
1: Yeah, for sure. I I made it on social media and really it was a way to demonstrate a story of the development of Canada built on the structures of Indigenous economic exclusion. The concept of taking a seat at the economic table is really highlighting this story and narrative of Indigenous peoples are becoming economic powerhouses in this country and creating a space at the economic table uh, through our business success. And in that success, Canada's uh, future is now intrinsically tied to Indigenous business success as well. When we do well at business, everybody does well um, in terms of our GDP and our economic well-being.
0: Yeah. And as you say, there, there are those success stories we can look to, um, you know, to, to help us understand where, where those opportunities exist and, and how to build on that. So where do you see those, those success stories that, that uh, really stand out to you?
1: For sure. In the fall fall of 2020, I did what was called an indigenomic billion-dollar tour. And what we researched was nations that were doing business deals at the billion-dollar level and above. And in that, we, at that point, had identified 10, and now that's up closer to 15. So the realization of the uptake of increased Indigenous equity ownership probably the most visible that we saw was this past um, time period with the water deal, which while was heavily embedded with racism in the Mi'kmaq fishery in the region for the nations to come out as clear um, players in the value chain is a significant business story that is becoming more normal and more visible in this country.
0: Yeah. Part of what you talk about is the importance of, of partnerships and, You know, I I think, unfortunately, we've seen situations where, you know, there's the perception that there's there's a a fight or there's there's battles. We see matters spill over into courts, Um, you know, and and to get away from from that, that adversarial approach and and move more toward partnerships between First Nations and industry, between Indigenous and non-Indigenous. How do we make that transition?
1: I think there's two aspects to that. I think when nations um, have a seat at the table where they're also managing risk uh, instead of an externalized imposed system from an inherent Indigenous concept of stewardship, um, managing major projects where Indigenous nations are taking stronger leadership roles within risk management also facilitates a stronger pathway for nations to become partners and Seeing this increase of equity ownership in projects across this country as a core theme, the importance of that and the significance of that, there's been a historical. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder story. That's been very much, um, saying that there's not enough capital, um, for the Indigenous economy and I think it's time to start looking at that as an opportunity. The capitalization of the Indigenous economy, my work at the Institute facilitated the target of a $100 billion Indigenous economy only to look at it as a target to pay attention to as an opportunity and that is what we're looking at and the increased ability to facilitate leadership that focuses on partnership uh, with nations that's the new story of business development and economy within canada
0: certainly for governments i mean you know step one is is not being an obstacle not being a problem but but beyond that what more do you think that governments can do to help facilitate this
1: Yeah, for sure. I just looked at uh, the national annual indigenomics tend to watch list and one of the recipients this year was the Yukon government who is facilitating a 15% indigenous procurement target, which is unprecedented and was fashioned after the federal government's 5% indigenous procurement target. That's something very tangible that governments can do is looking at um, the ability to include Indigenous businesses within the regional value chain. Um, I mean, I think in Alberta, we're seeing structures for investment. Um, We look at examples like the Canadian Infrastructure Bank, a billion dollars of investment into Indigenous infrastructure. Those are all tangible tools, structures, um, and investments into the Indigenous economy.
0: All right. Well, do you get the sense, do you feel optimistic that, that things are moving in the right direction?
1: Absolutely. I think that there's this realization of that shift away from seeing Indigenous peoples as a cost on the system to seeing constructive design and investment into Indigenous economies as a way that makes sense and a story that supports Canada's evolution um, to where we're at now and a story now based on inclusion Indigenous peoples taking our seat at the economic table.
0: You know, it's interesting, too, because we have the the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion project, and and certainly there's been some, you know, opposition from First Nations to that project. But there's also on the other side of that, though, the potential that, you know, we might not only just see Indigenous uh, ownership and ownership stake in that pipeline, po- the possibility at this point that we might see outright Indigenous ownership entirely of that project. What, is, what does that represent to you?
1: I think it's a new story that um, Canada needs to pay attention to. The uptake of ownership, uh, the uptake of capitalization of Indigenous economic strength. That's one thing that I see is that we need to stop measuring socioeconomic gap and start measuring Indigenous economic strength. If we're able to begin to measure that, um, it shifts the narrative, it shifts the risk perspective of investment into major projects. I look to the work of the First Nations Major Project Coalition, who is supporting the capacity development and leadership for nations to participate in major projects. Their work is um, hugely important to the visibility of infrastructure, major projects, resource projects, and all of those aspects that are essential to building a COVID economic response right now.
0: Absolutely. Well, uh, again, the book is called Indigenomics, Taking a Seat at the Economic Table, and uh, more at indigenomicsinstitute.com. Caroline, thank you so much for joining us here today. really appreciate this. Thank
1: you so much. Bye-bye.
0: All right. All the best. Uh, That is uh, Caroline Hilton who is founder of the Indigenomics Institute, an advisor to business, governments, and First Nations uh, in Canada, a member of a uh, Vancouver Island First Nation herself, and as mentioned, author of the book uh, out earlier this year, Indigenomics, taking a seat at the economic table, which, as she says, focuses on a number of issues, one of them being the ongoing power shift, the rise of the modern Indigenous economy, the voices of leading Indigenous business leaders, the unfolding story in the law courts, exposing she says the false media narrative of indigenous dependency in a new narrative that indigenous peoples are and can be economic powerhouses and gives real examples of that so that's what she's trying to focus on here's that side of the conversation and we build on those success stories because as as far as we're concerned as a country for indigenous non-indigenous this is a win-win so I, i think it's really important that we're able to move forward in that sense